Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And we're so glad that you've joined us on Calvary Live. I'm blessed to be with you. My name is Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel Greeley in Colorado. And uh, this hour is an hour where uh, Calvary Live is the opportunity for you to be able to call in and ask questions about the Bible or to ask for prayer. And, and you heard that number. You can call in at 303 303- 690-3000 is that call-in number to be on the air to ask your questions or to give your prayer requests. and love to talk to you, and we're so blessed uh, to be a part of your lives, uh, those of us who uh, are here during the week to host Calvary Live, and uh, we want to be able to encourage you. Uh, we want to be able to pray for you, answer your Bible questions. So grab one of those open lines, 303-690-3000, is that call-in number. And those of you who may not know, there's another way for you to be able to ask a question or to give a prayer request through a dedicated text line. It's a different number, and that is 720-336-0897. That's texting only. And as we have time in the show, we go to the text line. But put those two numbers in your contacts, and you can pull it up on your smartphones, your iPads, whatever you use uh, as you're listening to Calvary Live. So glad uh, that there are listeners all over the country. We want to welcome all the Grace FM listeners in Colorado. Uh, Grace FM originates from Calvary Church in Aurora, uh, such a wonderful, wonderful radio station that gets along the front range. Two different stations, 101.7 in southern Colorado and Pueblo, parts of Pueblo and Fountain in Colorado Springs. Welcome, you guys in Southern Colorado. Got so many friends down there and ministry partners, and uh, you are a tremendous blessing to me. So I'd love to hear from you. Give me a call at that number I just gave to you. We got all open lines, 303-690-3000, and then also 89.7 here in Northern Colorado from Castle Rock, Parker, up into Southern Wyoming such a powerful signal up here, and we're so blessed uh, to be a part of all of your lives as well. Grab one of those open lines, and uh, we'd love to answer your questions and to pray for you as well. Also want to welcome all those who are listening live uh, on Radio Bike Race and many stations across the nation, and I understand that there's some new listeners uh, as Radio Bike Race has expanded um, in Warner Robins, Georgia on 92.3 FM, uh, also in Davenport, Iowa, 107.1 FM and 103.7 FM, in Jackson, Mississippi, 90.7 FM and then 91.3 FM in Meridian, Mississippi. Welcome. I hope you have found this, that uh, you will be tremendously blessed as you're tuned in to Calvary Life. I'd love to hear from you guys on these new stations and let us know that you're hearing us and uh, that you're being blessed. And so we want to welcome all of those uh, on the Radio by Grace uh, network throughout the country. 
We just are so grateful uh, for you, um, and we invite you to call us. Those radio stations are all uh, across the country, uh, from the East Coast to the West Coast, but mostly in the South and uh, in the Southeast of the United States. So welcome, and then also want to welcome all those who are listening online, online listeners from the four corners of the country, and then Hope and Truth FM and Higher Rock Radio, you are a week delayed, but you are such an important part of our Calvary Life family. So give me a call. Love to hear from you and talk with you. So give me a call. Let me give you those numbers once again. The call-in number, we got two open lines, is 303-690-3000. And the text line is 720-336-0897. Let's talk about the things of the Lord. Let's be encouraged. Let's be blessed. Let's look at the scriptures together. This is what makes Calvary Live so unique and so wonderful. Uh, This is an hour where uh, we get to talk about the things that are important to you. So give me a call at those numbers that I just gave to you. Let's go to Ernest in Loveland. Ernest? Hello? You're on Calvary Live. Yes, I'm calling in. I I want a prayer for my marriage. Absolutely. And right now what it looks like it's leading to is divorce. My wife and I, my wife and I had divorced at one time. We married, been married for well, four years. All together, we've been married for thirteen. It's been a hard, hard marriage with her. Um, she had yep. a, a marriage where she was verbally and physically abused with mm-hmm. her first husband, which was for thirty years. Um, yeah, and that that is hard. And in earnest, I don't mean to interrupt you, but anything. But we're going to pray for you. One of the things that, and you know, we're going to pray for your marriage, for God's healing, for God's restoration. But you know, to encourage you, and you may be doing this to if you guys can't get some godly counsel uh, from a pastor, from um, you know, just a, a godly couple that does discipleship. And I want to pray for that as well. Because it sounds like, and it's, you know, all these years that you're sharing just a couple minutes on the radio about um, of the verbal abuse, of of just uh, um, the difficulties that you guys have been through and hardship. But God wants to work in your marriage, and he wants to bring healing. He wants to bring forgiveness. He wants to bring restoration. And I'm so glad that you called. And, you know, I pray, and for all those who— um, you know, are just going through difficulties in marriages because uh, it has been very difficult over the last couple of years uh, with different reasons uh, why people are really struggling in their marriages. But I just want to remind you and I want to remind everybody else that God wants your marriage to be healthy and bring healing. And he wants to reverse that direction that you're going, a divorce to, to coming together and restoration. So, Father, I just pray for Ernest. He he wants prayer for his marriage, and the problems could lead to divorce. Um, being divorced, coming back, and being reconciled, Lord, I just pray for him and his wife. You know the issues. You know the things that she's dealing with, the things that Ernest are dealing with, and that um, they would turn to you. They would make a commitment that that they desire for you to bring the forgiveness and healing um, that they need in their marriage. And that, Lord, that you would uh, just uh, do that work in them, that they would find uh, godly counsel, that they would find um, that the Word of God has so much to speak to them about 
um, the issues that they're dealing with. But Lord, I work through your Holy Spirit to bring that healing, to bring that uh, forgiveness, to bring that restoration that only you can do because you're the one that ordained marriage and you're the one that can bring healing to a marriage. And so I pray for Ernest. I just pray in the days ahead, moving forward, they would move forward in a way that, Lord, that they see you working in and restoring and blessing their marriage rather than heading towards divorce. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Can I say something? Yeah, go ahead, Ernest. She took off her, her wedding ring. I seen mm-hmm. it on the, the table in the living room. She's done that before. She took off her wedding ring, and as far as getting counseling, he just, she's not for that. Well, just what you are in a place right now is a place of prayer and a place of just seeking the Lord and, you know, asking for wisdom to just be able to move forward um, in your marriage. And um, and that's the place that you're at right now. And I'm sorry you're going through that difficult time, but keep praying and we're going to be praying for you. So, Ernest, um, and God can do that work. So, Okay, we're going to go ahead and move on. Ernest, we'll be praying for you. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. Text line 720-336-0897. And marriage is a very, very big topic right now to a lot of people and difficulties. And it seems like, especially as we get towards the holidays, it can be exasperated, um, situations and things like that. And so uh, we do want to be able to pray for you and uh, may not be able to cover everything that you're going through, of course, on a radio program, but we can certainly pray and give you some biblical advice. Got a couple open lines, 303-690-3000. Again, my name is Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel Greeley. I've had the the blessing and the privilege to pastor this church for almost 27 years coming up and, uh, and just uh, so blessed to be with you here on Calvary Live. So I'd love to talk with you. Grab one of those open lines. And let's talk about the things that are important to you. Let's uh, give us a chance to pray for you and encourage you and uh, to be able to bless you. That text line, let me give it to you again. That text line is 720-336-0897. Let's go to Lewis in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. God bless. God bless you. You're on Calvary Live. Wow, what an honor. Um, I have a question on divorce. Um, uh-huh. uh, I know what the, uh, Jesus said in Matthew uh, um, chapter 19, and then 1 Corinthians says that, you know, we're bound to the to the person we're married to and to death. So I guess we can't get married until that person dies. But my question is, um, if you're a minister and, or a pastor, let's say just put a— I'm in a situation where I'm a little confused on what to do and what's correct. If you're a pastor and you get divorced for something minor, it's not physical abuse, it's not adultery, it's just because you feel like your spouse don't make enough money or, or doesn't help enough. Yeah. Um, would if, they get, if a pastor divorces on that grounds, are they still within their right to pastor as long as they don't get married? Well, you know, what... Paul has to write about the qualifications of a pastor. First of all, for a pastor to divorce his wife, 
on unbiblical grounds, like for finances, or he just wants to divorce, and has happened before, um, then uh, to me that disqualifies him for that role of being a pastor. We do know that Paul writes to Timothy that the qualification of a pastor is, first of all, the rule uh, in his household, that is to be ruling spiritually. doesn't mean to be ruling with a heavy hand in those qualifications in his household to be submitted, um, you know, in that. Uh, in other words, what, what Paul is saying is that uh, there needs to be a healthy relationship there in the, in the marriage uh, with the kids. And it's not going to be perfect. But if a pastor, for unbiblical reasons, just divorces his wife because of finances or because he just wants to, uh, Paul also goes on to say that the elder, the shepherd, in First Timothy chapter 3, is to be the husband of one wife. So there's real problems there and disqualifications, I believe, of a pastor that divorces his wife um, in that role of being a pastor. And, um, you know, Paul makes that very clear. And here's the thing, uh, Lewis, that is very important for us in ministry to keep in mind. How is it, and Paul touches on this in First Timothy chapter 3, how is it that we can pastor, how can we shepherd the church of God when we're not shepherding our family in a godly way? And that needs to be a priority, whether we're a pastor or in ministry of any degree, there is the priority of ministering to our family first. Our, our wives are our first ministry. We're to love our wives as Christ loves the church, and that is a priority over our position as a pastor in the church. So God takes that very, very seriously, and I believe that it is shown in those scriptures of First Timothy chapter 3 and Titus, um, that little pastoral epistle as well uh, that is written. And we are to have a home to where um, the marriage is intact, where we're uh, ministering to our wives in that way that uh, our responsibility in doing that, the role of a leader, um, if we can't lead in the home, how are we going to lead in the church? And and so I believe that that disqualification comes. Well, I'm, I'm I was in agreement. I know all them scriptures. Now the issue here is, uh, I want to clarify. I, I, I belong to this. I you know pandemic shut down. When the pandemic came, a lot of churches shut down. Um, I have was being, you know, I was going visiting a church for like a year. I still didn't become a member. I started visiting this church, and I ended up. Liking it and staying, what I what I didn't realize is that the pastor, the licensed, the minister, the ordained pastor, was the wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, well, you got a whole whole different issue on that right there. Oh, I want to go there and see if you can help me out there All right now. She's the one wanting divorce, and a lot of people taking her side because she's the licensed minister. And I'm I'm kind of yeah. uh, in that. I feel that that like there's a whole error in that. And the other thing with that is um. You know, since there's nothing, the Bible don't, you know, says Jesus said it was permissible. But the only reason Moses allowed it was because the hardness of the heart. So just because it was permissible yeah. for adultery, it was never saying that yeah. it has to be. Uh, you must get divorced because of that. But the other thing is with that is now I've been battling this for a good two years now, wondering, am I in sin? Um Belonging to a church where a woman is a pastor, when, you know, I've looked at the 
at the as Lexington, the Greek, everything I can study on those verses on the qualifications of a pastor, and all of them speaking as a man. Nothing about this says that a woman. So yeah, I feel like and God you're you're hitting some topics there, Lewis. That first of all, the role of a pastor is, is for the man. I see that as you read those qualifications in First Timothy chapter three, and and here you have it doesn't mean that women can't minister in different roles, but when it comes to the role of a shepherd, when it comes to the role of an elder, of the one who is uh, overseeing a church, a ministry, that that role, what I see in First Timothy chapter three is is to be. It's hard to be a woman when the husband of one man. It's to be the men that are to be in leadership and. Uh, I know what our culture says. Our culture says that women can be senior pastors, can be ministers, but I go with what the Scripture says. I don't go with what culture has to say. And then second of all, it, it, the minister that that uh, you're describing, and you can have a discussion with her, you know, why why the divorce is happening, that there's some real spiritual problems that are there. And you want to be able to be in a church, Lewis, that that the the pastor has, um, you know, is pastoring in the role of one who is uh, has godly character. Uh, none of us are perfect. None of us have perfect families or perfect marriages, but has a strong marriage because how are they going to be able to minister to the congregation to a marriage couple when they just kind of say, "Well, I'm going to divorce my my spouse." For unbiblical reasons, I, I think it's very difficult at that time to be able to minister with real integrity. Now, I'm not saying that somebody who got a divorce can never be a pastor ever again, and that's the debate with First Timothy chapter 3. But if they're in that process with no desire to, to try to reconcile, and there's big-name pastors that have gone through divorces and they just continue on— to me, there would be, and this for me, as I read the scriptures and as uh, I look for somebody who leads a church with godly integrity, godly character, that is ministering to their home, um, that has a, a healthy marriage, that is important to me. And I think it's important for them to have that strong marriage and that, that uh, very healthy marriage to be able to minister to sh- the shepherd of God. When somebody comes along and says they want to get involved in ministry in a young man, I tell them that their ministry begins at home. And if they can't minister at home to where they're ministering in an effective way with their wives and and in that way of having a healthy marriage, then how are they going to be able to shepherd the the you know house of God? Now you can see even examples of that going back clear back to the book of Exodus. You remember when Moses was going to Egypt and, and God struck Moses and his wife uh, would circumcise their son and, and said, you're a bloody husband to me. And we read that and we think, well, that was odd. What's going on there? I think that the Lord was saying, here, Moses, you're going to shepherd two and a half million people out there in the wilderness and lead my people to the promised land, but you're you're not taking care of things at home and and you're not leading the way that you should be leading. So it's very important for us as leaders to be ones that are also leading in our homes and have a healthy marriage. And you can look at those scriptures, you know, and 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 be able to minister in that way. Um, you know, it's very important for us to be able to minister to the flock of God. So 
you know, important questions that you're asking. And, and I know that, that you're going through the scriptures and looking at those things, but, um, you know, that's, that's where you find yourself. No, and I'm agreeing with everything. I'm aware of everything you said. And those are my things because I stand on the word and I feel like culture right now is being more influenced by the world and justifying a lot of stuff. And, um, so I was wondering myself, in my, so, I'm not the one so, pastoring, but could I be in sin because I stayed to a church that way? Well, and, I don't think, yeah, you're asking, are you in sin? The, the question you need to be asking is, do I want to stay in this church? You need to be in a church, as I said, um, that is got a strong pastor who's going to be committed to the Word of God and committed to his family, and that's where you need to be. And if God is leading you to go somewhere and you're being disobedient to that, then you're going to have to answer to the Lord to that. And that's where you're at. I I think, Louis, don't complicate this. Know what the Word of God has to say. Pray about it. And he wants to lead you. He wants to guide you um, and give you peace that rules in your heart. But what I'm hearing is agony in your heart right now and a lot of uh, uncertainty and maybe even a little bit of anxiety and um, so you want to be able to say, hey, I need to go to a church that I know that um, I can support and I can support the leadership. But what I'm hearing from you is you just can't do that right now. And um, and there needs to be a change and make that change and let the Lord guide you and lead you to um, the you know place that you need to go. So. All right. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. You bet. Thanks for calling. Appreciate it. All right. I believe we got all open lines. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. The text line 720-336-0897. Let me see where I'm at. I think we have, uh, if I am right, we have all open lines right now. And I believe we do. So what I want you to do is give me a call at the number that I just gave to you. Again, 303-690-3000. Hope you're doing well and pray you're doing well on this Monday. Uh, It's a beautiful day here in Colorado. Fall is certainly in full swing right now. We're going to be headed towards the, you know, holiday season here as, of course, next week is uh, the 31st of October. um, And uh, then we have uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And what I encouraged our congregation even last Sunday is think about how you can serve others because Thanksgiving is only a month away. And we are doing food boxes here for those who have need, uh, for people to be able to help with those food boxes. We got Operation Christmas Child, uh, the the, uh, Samaritan's Purse Ministry, uh, that we are the collection place during collection week next month, uh, coming up in about three weeks. Uh, People have opportunity to just get involved and be a blessing. And just pray about how this holiday season you can be a blessing to others and also to invite people to those uh, special services that your churches will be having, perhaps on Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving Eve, or maybe perhaps uh, during the Advent season, during uh, Christmas, uh, New Year's. And I know that you might be thinking, well, it's a little bit early, but I just want to plant that seed in you uh, to be able to pray about how can I bless others during the holiday season? How can I serve others? 
And and I'll tell you what, there's so much opportunities, and I pray for us Christians that we would be a light to others as well. So, hey, give me a call. we got all open lines right now, 303-690-3000 the call-in number. The text line is 720-336-0897. Love to be able to talk with you and to be able to bless you. There is, uh, we've been talking about the first couple of callers about marriage, and somebody texted in, why did Solomon have so many wives when he wasn't supposed to? And and that's a good question. And Solomon, of course, he was known for his wisdom. And Solomon uh, was one that had 300 wives and 700 concubines. We know that when the children of Israel were going to go into the promised land in the book of Deuteronomy, that the Lord said, when you ask for a king, he knew that it would be hundreds of years later that they would ask for a king. When you ask for a king, don't that king is not to multiply wives, not to multiply gold, and not to multiply horses. And I find it interesting that Solomon, who is known for godly wisdom, God gave him wisdom, uh, and Solomon, he didn't always practice that wisdom. And that's the thing that we need to remember. We can know God's word, but are we applying it in our lives? And he would ignore that, what was in the book of Deuteronomy. He ignored that he wasn't supposed to multiply horses. You can go and you can see all these remains of the stables that Solomon had of hundreds of horses. He multiplied gold and he multiplied wives. Some of those wives caused him to burn incense to idols and to false gods. And it ended up having a negative effect on the country as we know that uh, soon after Solomon's reign, his son, that the ten northern tribes would split, and and Solomon would bring that idol worship to the nation once again. So Solomon didn't walk in that wisdom all the time, but the reason that he had so many was, again, a cultural thing to where a king, the more powerful they were, the more wives that they had, it was kind of a cultural thing uh, to make treaties with other leaders and things like that. But the Word of God supersedes what culture has to say. And the Word of God was to tell Solomon that you were not to multiply wives. So it became uh, a thing to where it negatively affected him. Hey, uh, 303-690-3000, the phone lines are starting to come back. And text line 720-336-0897. I think we got time for a call. Let's go to Elda, Texas, on line two. Elda in Texas. Hi. Hi. Thank you, Pastor. I'll try not to take too much time. It's kind of a double, uh, um, a two-part question. And the first one is, uh, did Adam, was Adam born with a sinful nature and therefore he sinned or was he born like a blank slate, and he chose to sin, and that brought about our sin and sinful nature? That's first. And the second thing is, so had he not sinned, free will, but had he not sinned, and and even he had not sinned, uh, what would it be like now? I mean, people say, people say, um, gee, thanks, Adam. You know, way to go. You know, you we have a fallen <laughs> yeah. world, and we're uh, yeah, I'm pulling these weeds, and, you know, and having stickers all the time, you know. I say that all the time. I'm out there, oh, here, here's the weeds, here's the stickers. Right. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, because right. that's part of the consequences of a fallen world. And, Elda, you, you've yeah. asked a couple of important questions. We're getting ready to go can to I, break. Can I? Oh, okay. Go ahead. 
So I just given you a heads up. So if you hear the music, we're going to go to break. Just you'll be on hold and then we'll come back and we will finish our discussion. So I don't want you to feel rushed, um, but you're going to hear the music here in about 60 seconds or so. But you had a question about was he born with the sin nature? And then the second one, what would the world be kind of like if Adam didn't sin? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, because I'm thinking, but then we wouldn't have Jesus. I can't imagine not having Jesus. Yeah. We wouldn't know Christ. I can't. I can't handle that. The thought. Yeah. Well, here's the thing: we do have Jesus, so keep focused on that. The author and finish of our faith, and even right after the fall, uh, isn't it amazing that the promise was given in Genesis chapter three? And a lot of people don't realize that verse, uh, that he gave hope uh, that uh, the Messiah would come and that uh, it will be that I will put in between, between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. So you hang on, Elda. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live. My name is Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel Greeley with you on this Monday. This is the last week of October. The year just keeps going by so fast. We'll be in the last couple months and the holiday season here pretty soon. Uh, but I'm so glad that you've joined us wherever you're listening from, uh, Grace FM, along the Front Range in Colorado, and then Southern Wyoming, or uh, Radio by Grace all throughout the country. I just mentioned some new stations that were added to Radio by Grace Network. want to welcome you guys uh, that have joined us to the Calvary Live family. Love to hear from you. I'd love for you to give us a call. Let us know that you're listening. And then also uh, those online, uh, you're listening live. And then those who are week delayed, uh, Hope and Truth and Higher Rock Radio, uh, you can give me a call. We'll have the conversation. You can listen to it a week later. But so glad that you've joined us. We had a great first half talking about some important issues uh, that come up. And then uh, we also... Uh, have an open line for you to call. So give me a call at 303-690-3000. The text line is 720-336-0897. My name is Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel Greeley in beautiful northern Colorado with you on this day. We were talking with Elda. Elda, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. So anyway, yeah. so I appreciate you holding and, and we can continue the conversation. But one of the things as we talk about Adam is there's sometimes the debate um, is Adam didn't, when God created the heavens and the earth, first of all, that we know that he looked at it and said, it is good, it is good, it is good. And we know that the Lord instructed Adam that don't eat of that tree or you shall surely die. And there are those who say that, well, Adam didn't know, he didn't have the knowledge, but we know that he had the instruction of the Lord, so I disagree with that. Um, and the point is, is that Adam and Eve had not sinned when they were in the garden. They were fellowshipping with the Lord. They were ones that, um, you know, they were naked in the garden, uh, walking in the cool of the day, Adam. 
And it's when they sinned um, and ate of that tree that they weren't supposed to, the Bible says that's because of Adam's sin, that's when sin and death has come into the world. So I don't believe that he, you know, we get our sin nature from Adam. Uh, we, we're all born with that sin nature. Paul makes that very clear in Romans chapter 5, and the Scripture tells us that. Now we live in a fallen world that we were talking about before we went to break, the thorns and thistles and what this world would be like. But the bottom line is this, you know, if Adam had not sinned, then, of course, we would be living in a paradise. But Adam was, you know, that federal headship that represented man, and um, man sinned, and God gave us hope through the seed, um, and through the seed that would come the Messiah born of a virgin who went to the cross to die for you and for me. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of what ifs, what ifs Adam hadn't, but he did sin. Uh, that's the bottom line. Sin is in the world, but we have a message of hope to give to the others, and that is that Jesus Christ has come to save us from sin. And even as Paul writes about in Romans chapter 5, that the first Adam brought sin and death into the world, and the last Adam, Jesus Christ, brings us eternal life. And so we can just rejoice in that. Right, right. My, and my other point was just, I mean, I guess somebody could say it's kind of may, maybe even kind of silly, but I mean, I was just thinking if if we would be in a paradise and, and it would be wonderful and perfect, and that would be wonderful and perfect. Um, but when I think about Christ, I mean, just imagine if your wife said to you, what if we never had met? And you'd be devastated. You'd be like, oh, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I can't think of having not met you and, and having never known Christ. And so that's why I said second part. Uh, if, if yeah. Had, but I, if, if we but wouldn't the, know any But the thing, Elda, is this. We can spend a lot of time, you know, thinking about what if and what ifs. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with what you're thinking and wondering, but don't prioritize it. You know, set your mind on the things of Christ and the things that he has provided and the blessing that that you have in Christ and, and that the blessings you have in life uh, as we have a spouse, as we have children, and to thank the Lord for that. Uh, but I try not to. Sometimes uh, people try to give me hypothetical, you know, situations. What if this? And what if you hadn't met your wife? What if this? Well, I did. And the Lord is the one that directs our steps. He's blessed us. He saved us. Um, I used to struggle, Elda, with why would the Lord use me? Why would he choose me? It's like, I don't worry about the why anymore. I just rejoice in it. And I'm very thankful for it. And uh, But we know that. And what we're talking about is something that uh, needs to be presented to people and part of the gospel that Sin has come into the world, but we have hope because people are losing hope. Uh, I talk to so many people, particularly young people, that have lost hope, and Jesus is their hope, the one uh, who is the last Adam to come and give us life. So um, so right. we can rejoice in that. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Good chat. Th- Thanks, Elda. Appreciate you calling. Okay. Bye-bye. God bless you. Hey, we got an open line, 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. The text line is 720-336-0897. Let's go to Will in Aurora. Will? Hi, Will. 
Uh, my question, I guess, was what does it look like to have a strong serve other people? Like, it can't be God and, and like perfect, perfect, infinite love and time and resources yeah. just do everything for everyone all the time or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, and you're asking a good question, Will, and you cut out a little bit, but uh, I think what you're asking is, you know, what does it look like to be able to have a strong family, a strong marriage, and be able to minister to others? Because ministry does have a lot of demands. Um, There's always people to minister to, call, um, and that is something um, that there's no, you know, the uh, Lord—I always wondered why the Lord didn't make— to the you know an epistle based on marriage and ministry, uh, but we have verses in the scripture about marriage. We have verses in the Bible about you know our homes. Paul writes about as we talked at the top of the show about the responsibility of an elder um, in, in the home and uh, the character of an elder and all those things that we discussed earlier. But it, you know it's a little bit different for everyone. Um, in what state? When when we first got into ministry, uh, Will, Sue, and I, we had young children, and we had a couple more young children. Uh, we uh, came up to Greeley. Uh, 27 years ago, we made the decision to come up. Uh, I was an assistant pastor at uh, Rocky Mountain Calvary in Colorado Springs, just a wonderful Calvary that God continues to bless. And to come up and start the church, and there's a lot of pressure on starting the church. We didn't know anything about starting a church. Uh, we just opened up our home and, and started a Bible study, and um, the Lord has blessed in these 27 years, but then raising four kids in ministry. And um, and what was important for me is, number one, I didn't want Sue, I did not want my four kids to think that the church was more important than them. The, they knew that the church was important, they knew that I I worked hard. Um, I was here. Uh, I I studied hard. Um, I ministered, and even for many of those years, uh, I volunteered as a chaplain for the sheriff's office as well. So there were times that I was gone at night, you know, on a call or something like that. But I always wanted them to understand that they were the priority of my life. It's Sue and the kids, and they still are. My family, I love very, very much, and they are the priority. The church is important, but I only have one family. And, you know, my family has been able to join me in ministry. And I got two of my kids on staff. Sue leads a, a Bible study. Uh, it's been a tremendous journey and a tremendous blessing and a privilege to, to have them come along and co-labor, you know, in the ministry here. And we love doing that. And now Sue and I are empty nesters. Our children are all grown up. They're in their 20s. And so it's a little bit different, the state that we're in. Um, I don't have small kids at home, but I always, when I came home, I came home. I wasn't on the phone all evening. Uh, I wasn't long gone for long periods of time. I just chose that to do that uh, with my family. I didn't, uh, I would go on mission trips. I mean, I went to Israel. I went to Sudan in Africa. I went to Thailand, uh, short-term mission trips, but I wasn't gone a lot. I just wanted to make sure that I was there for my kids 
and uh, I was there for Sue, and uh, and the people um, could see that my family was the priority as well. And I also worked hard at the church. I mean, I didn't stay at home all day. I was here at the church working, and but when I went home, I went home. Um, when uh, I had a day off, I had a day off. I wasn't on the phone or I wasn't doing things. And I didn't do it perfectly, but I always tell people, listen, that your priority is home. Your priority is your marriage. Ministry is very, very important at the church. Um, but our ministry begins at home. It begins with our wives. And over the years, for example, there were several years ago, uh, a young man that uh, was uh, had just had twin babies, and he was excited about ministry, and he was gone every night. He was gone every night, and he was, uh, you know, just excited about it. He was gone to this Bible study. He was going to this, you know, event to going out and evangelize. And he was like, the Lord's coming back. You know, we need to be about uh, the Lord's business, which I agree. But then I'm getting emails from his wife saying, my my husband's never home. I'm left with the twins. I don't get any help. And so this was many years ago when this happened, and that's just why I can bring up one example of that. Um, but, you know, we need to make sure that our wives and our family isn't neglected in the care, um, in the love, in the time spent, because I have a responsibility to raise them in the ways of the Lord and uh, to be able to, you know, train them in the ways of the Lord. And that takes some time and takes priority to do that, as well as taking care of you know, God's people. And that's not an easy, I, I don't know if the word balance is even a good word. Where is the balance? But there is the priority. And the priority needs to be there. Um, the church was very, very important. The kids knew that. There were times where I would say to Sue and the kids, listen, dad's got to go. Dad's got to go uh, because somebody's at the hospital, you know, in the emergency or I got to do a funeral or a wedding. They understood that. They understood that I worked hard for the church but also that they needed my attention and my time as well. So that, that was a lot. <laughs> Will, are you still still there? Yeah, that, that was great. Thank you. <laughs> so, you know, it's just a little different. What state, where your kids are at, um, you know, those kinds of things. Right now I got a little bit more freedom. Um, I still love going home. That's one of the things that I was telling Sue uh, just uh, not long ago, um, because uh, we've been, we've been married 32 years, you know, raised four kids. She homeschooled all four kids through high school, and one of the things that I told her, I said that uh, uh, you know, um, I always love coming home to my family, and I love coming home to the kids and to my wife, and uh, and I also love going to church. I love doing Sunday mornings and teaching and doing all those years of Wednesday night services. And it was a tremendous privilege and a blessing. And, uh, but uh, we can't neglect the home. And, uh, and we can't use the home to be an excuse to neglect our ministries at the church as well. So you got to pray through it. And it's a lot to juggle at times. Uh, but the Lord guides you and will provide for you. And there are times where I said, you know, I leave in the afternoon and say I'm going. I need to just go home. You know the the house is unraveling. Things are going. Um, you know Sue just needs some help, and I go home and help her. And uh, but I wasn't on the phone all evening long. I wouldn't neglect. You know praying with the kids, 
things like that. And I think that's what uh, we need to do is we prioritize our families. Congratulations on the 30 some years. Well, it's by, it's by God's grace. And matter of fact, um, I was telling the congregation that um, next week actually is my uh, 30th year uh, in ministry. Uh, at least my piece of paper says on the wall here, uh, ordained on November 1st, 1992. And I look back and I'm so grateful. It's by God's grace, by his working, that he's allowed me to pastor this church for 27 years, uh, to be in the ministry for 30 years, to be married to my beautiful bride, uh, my best friend, Sue, for 32 years, to raise four wonderful kids. And I got to give the glory and the credit to him um, that he would use somebody like me, but his guidance and, and direction. And again, none of us are perfect husbands or pastors, but that does not neglect seeking God's wisdom and guidance because he wants to guide us and direct us in those areas. And, um, you know, I tell guys, love your wives, love your family, don't neglect them, and um, and love your congregation, and the Lord will give you the ability to be able to do that. All right, Will? Uh, yeah. Would, would you mind praying for me to, you know, do, do that? Absolutely. I, I, I'd be honored to do that. Lord, I just pray for Will. Uh and what he, the situation he is in, in a marriage, in ministering to others, ministry can have a lot of demands, and same with the family, that you would help him to prioritize his marriage, his family, uh, to love um, to love them. And you know all about them, but to be able to love the people that he ministers to, and to be able to, to work for them, and to be able to be available for them. And, Lord, there is cost at times. There is sacrifice at times. Um, but we don't want to put our families and our marriage on the altar of ministry, the sacrifice that. Uh, we only have one family. And, um, and Lord, we were to love our wives as Christ loves the church, raise our children in the ways of the Lord. So I just pray that you give uh, Will wisdom in, in all things, in the state that he's in, the place you put him, the ministry that you've given to him and called him to. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Will. Thank you very much. I hope that was an encouragement to you. Just stay close to the Lord. He'll guide you. Thank you. All right. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. The text line, 720-336-0897. Got a couple open lines. and So grab one of those open lines. In the meantime... We're going to go to Clovis, New Mexico, to Logan. Hello. Hi. How are you, Logan? Good. Uh, my question, well, yeah, I have a question. Yeah, so, go ahead. They just legalized marijuana in our state. And I know they did it in Colorado years back. I'm passing through. Um... Like how did y'all? How do y'all deal with that? Like you just, I, I yeah. Guess, I don't you know. pray. Just, you pray everywhere. Just... Yeah, and you know it. It reminds me we were in a discussion with somebody last week. They were studying Genesis and Lot, 
you know, and Lot was towards Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's interesting that Lot was Abraham's uh, nephew. And it tells us there in the book of Genesis that as their herdsmen were fighting, Abraham said, hey, we're, we're brethren. We don't need to fight. There's plenty of room. So you go where you want to go. I'll go the other direction. So Lot picked, he looked towards the plains of of Jordan and where Sodom and Gomorrah was, and it said it looked like a garden, which is hard to believe because when you go there now, uh, there is nothing but desert. But it looks like a garden. So Lot says, I like that over there. So he went over towards Sodom and Gomorrah, and he was outside of the city. Then you read that, that Lot was in the city, living in the city. Then you read that he was sitting at the gate of the city. And we know that there was, you know, great immorality in Sodom and Gomorrah. And it was more than that because Ezekiel gives us some insight that there was greediness. There there was uh, not caring for the poor. Uh, it's interesting that Ezekiel listing the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah th- doesn't even list the immorality, but there was a lot of problems. Jesus, when he would use Sodom and Gomorrah as an example, when judgment came as the coming of the Son of Man, that that judgment came suddenly, unexpectedly. He said they were given to, you know, uh, to buying houses, um, buying and selling. Life went on as normal. So there was something in Sodom that was culturally stimulating, um, economically prosperous. Um, Lot went there. He's in the city. Then he's at the gate of the city, which is a position of leadership. When you go to First Peter, Peter tells about righteous Lot and declares that Lot was righteous, and but yet he was vexed. He was tormented in his soul because of the wickedness, because of the iniquity. And that's what we feel as Christians as it's not just the the drugs, the the marijuana, you know, stores and things like that. But you think of the the drug problem that's going on uh, here in America in in uh, every day we're hearing about fentanyl, our young people dying of drugs, um, just the the you know things that are dark and people are dying without Christ and. It seems like that we're headed into the darkness more as a nation and as a culture further away from the Lord. And what we do is this, and this is very important, and, and Logan, you're asking a very important question, is that our weapons are not carnal, but our weapons are spiritual to where we pray and we give the truth of God's word to be a light to others. Because there's a lot of people that they're in it they get caught up in it, but somehow they're vexed in their soul because they know something's wrong. And we have light to give to them. We have truth to give to them, the love of Jesus Christ, because he is our hope. And I know that we're right in the middle of an election year. Uh, matter of fact, two weeks is the election. And I know that elections are very important. The issues are very, very important. And there's a lot of states that continue to have ballot issues about these kinds of things, about marijuana or should we legalize this or whatever the case may be. The abortion issue is a big debate right now in our nation. But you and I always tell people, first of all, vote you know, the Bible. And then second of all, that understand this, that Jesus Christ is our hope. And, and we pray that our nation, there be revival and spiritual awakening to come back to the Lord, to come back to the Word of God, 
That's what we're to do, to be on our knees praying. What we're to do is be given the Word of God, the Gospel. And for me, that's what I want to prioritize. I want to speak God's truth. I want to give the Gospel. I want to be able to to pray for our community, um, this community that God's given to me, Colorado, because Colorado needs it, and so does New Mexico, and so does all our states, and to be on our knees praying before the Lord for his outpouring of his Holy Spirit, um, for him to be known, how we can be used, and there's power in that. There's power in prayer, and that's what we do right now. And there's other ways we can get involved. I know that some godly people are called to get involved in the political system and to be able to to work in that way. But uh, for the Christians as a whole, prayer is so very important to be praying for our nation, to be praying for our communities and for our states. Yes, sir. I just, yeah. I've been, I was delivered from all that junk. And I, yeah. That's why it bothers me so much. Yeah, exactly, because you're sensitive to it. You see how, you know, it affected your life. And we see all around us. Um, and I and I hope for us as Christians um, that that we have that kind of heart because sometimes we can look at it and say all oh, those people or you know um, may God's judgment come upon them may our hearts just break you know when I hear about the young people that what's going on struggling with the drugs you know the the issues that they're dealing with um, what culture is telling them is acceptable. Our hearts should break um, because, um, you know, because they're being told lies. The enemy has a foothold in their lives. They're being held in bondage to lies. And we have truth to be able to free them. And so that's why it's very important, Logan, to be praying, to be open to the Lord. How is it that you want me to, to be used? You know, because I tell people when we leave our church that you're going into your mission field. Uh, you may not go across the sea, you know, uh, to a foreign land, but you have a mission field where God has placed you at the workplace and in your neighborhoods and with your families. And I think that this is, you know, a good time to remember that we have a holiday season that's coming and we have Christmas that's coming in, in two months. Um, two months is Christmas Eve. And I know that it's a little early to talk about it. But it's not too early to get people to start praying about how can I bless others during this Thanksgiving and Christmas season? Um, how can I bless others? Be a light, even as we have in another week, Halloween that's coming. And that's another issue. But we can be a light during that day. We can be a light to others and give truth uh, during the holiday season. And at Christmas, that wonderful Christmas story of People were afraid. People were afraid when Jesus was born. And those shepherds out in that field, the very first message was, don't be afraid. They were afraid because Rome was in power and Caesar Augustus had made that decree that all the world should be taxed. And and that, uh, you know, you didn't dare come against Caesar Augustus or Rome or you'd be hung on a cross and they would deal with you or put you in prison. There was... You know, Herod the Great there in Judea, that was just, um, he was not a great man. He was a great builder, but he was paranoid. And he's the one that had all the male children two years and under put to death in Bethlehem. 
you had the religious leaders that were putting burdens on the people. They had a lot of things to be afraid of. And today, we as Christians can become afraid, we can become anxious, we can be um, just overwhelmed uh, with the, uh, you know, just the darkness that we see around us. But there is a message of hope, and there is prayer, and, and there is truth to give to others, and to remember that Jesus Christ is coming back. He is coming back, and that he's going to set all things right. And that's the message I want to give to others. Um, this world is not your hope. Um, our hope is him. Amen? And so keep your focus and your mind on that, Logan. Okay? All right. You bet. Absolutely. Thanks for calling. Appreciate it. I love you. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Logan. Appreciate it. A good question Logan is asking, because we can see the things around us, and we can see how things are changing so quickly, and uh, we have a message to be able to give to others that um, he has brought us out of the darkness and to his marvelous light, and to be able to show the love of Jesus Christ and give the truth of Jesus Christ to others. That's the hope for any person, for any community, any nation, and that's the hope of our nation as well. We need to be praying for the elections coming up. Certainly, we need to be praying for these issues, but we need to be praying for a spiritual revival. So, hey, I can't believe the hour's over, uh, but it is. Uh, planning on being back with you tomorrow at the same time. So maybe you want to call. Give me a call tomorrow on Calvary Live. In the meantime, God bless you, and have a great evening. Keep your focus and your mind on the Lord and the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. Good night. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.